0: have the honor of preaching from Psalm 23, and so I'm going to start just by reading through it, and I see that on the Sunday morning page you also have it. It is a different translation than I'm using, which is fine. As we go through it, you will see that there are some different ways to translate this, so we'll get started with that. So if you would read along with me. You prepare a table for me before the, in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Psalm 23 is arguably the most well-known psalm. Some of you may even have it memorized. Whether you grew up in the church or not, you have likely encountered it at least once. It's a comforting psalm, and it's also are often used in funeral services. And I felt pretty strongly that it was the most appropriate one to end our summer series, Praying the Psalms on. We've had a lot of really good and really challenging messages from our preaching team come out of the Book of Psalms. And today, I want you all to be at ease. Let the imagery of the psalm come to life for you as we go through it. Uh, It won't be hard to do on a day like this out here in the Arboretum, that's for sure. So let's dig in. So I'm going to go through this kind of just line by line, okay? So kind of get the format, know where we're going. It's printed out, so there's your map. So you know when we're done. (laughs) The Lord is my shepherd. The psalm opens with a metaphor and continues in that framework throughout. And there are a few ways to look at this. So of course, the pastoral narrative, that of a shepherd and the sheep is really evident. Um, The psalm in its transcription above where we started uh, attributes it to King David. David himself was a shepherd boy once, and then he was king. And it was also common for the relationship between a king and his subjects to be referred to in this shepherd-king kind of metaphor. So there's, there's definitely a kingship narrative here too. And if you look at the life of David and his story, you can tie a lot of this psalm to him, which is most likely why it's attributed to him. And even God as a shepherd was a familiar theme for the Jewish people, so it's not new. And the poem is drawing on so much familiar language for the community that would have sung and recited it, and we'll see some of that as we go through it. What is unique about the use of this metaphor is the personal nature of it. The Lord is my shepherd. This is an intimate psalm about the relationship between one person and the Lord, but it draws on these communal themes and ideas and very much has the ability to be prayed individually or collectively. So, I don't know much about sheep and shepherding. Surprise, surprise. So much of what I'm about to tell you will be paraphrasing the words um, of others that do know. Um, more specifically, I have to give a shout out to my mother-in-law, Diane, who is here today, who is, also went to seminary and wrote an entire Bible study on Psalm 23, which she so graciously sent me in preparation for this. So, a lot of this comes from you. Thanks. Um, so anyway, one of the things, um, you've probably heard about sheep, maybe you know, or have heard said is that they're not not very smart. Um, well, this isn't quite true. Apparently sheep are just about as smart as any other herd based animal. But they've been heavily domesticated. And so they're very dependent on their shepherd. Sheep or being a sheep, or sheeple as we've heard lately has become quite the insult when it comes to describing people. (laughs) This is based on the belief that sheep don't really think for themselves. And if not led properly, they can get themselves into all sorts of trouble. And this is actually somewhat true. Um, From what I've read about the care and keeping of sheep, uh, the shepherd has quite a job keeping them alive from disease, internal conflict, predatory dangers, and a lot more, very involved. Basically, the life and vitality of the flock depends very much on how they are led. The shepherd matters. The Psalm reads, the Lord is my shepherd. God, Yahweh, the name given to Moses by God, meaning simply I am, is the shepherd here. Why God as shepherd matters is described in the rest of the psalm, so we'll continue. I shall not want, more properly translated from the Hebrew and in the version that's on our website, uh, this verse reads, I will lack for nothing. The rest of the psalm kind of fills in the blank as to what is not lacking. Food, water, rest, guidance, comfort, basically all material needs. This is the job of a shepherd for sure, Um, but the word here, and I'm going to go ahead and admit, Hebrew was my least favorite class in seminary and my pronunciation is going to be trash, but the word here, hasir, is also used in Deuteronomy 2.7 as a way of reminding the Israelites of how God provided for them in the wilderness during the Exodus. So there's a special kind of collective remembering that happens when the psalmist speaks of god's provision he makes me lie down in green pastures he leads me beside still waters this is beautiful imagery you can just soak it in (laughs) but it's also very important the path of the sheep and the rotation of their feeding grounds are very strategically planned by the shepherd so is to ensure that the land is also taken care of. Because as it turns out, if sheep are left on their own, uh, they'll just kind of walk the same paths and keep eating in the same spots until the land is basically ruined. So the shepherd takes care of the pasture just as much as he does the sheep. The language here of being made to lie down is also important. Sheep have to be, there's just all these things that have to be met before sheep are ready to rest and feel comfortable resting Um, they have to be free from fear there has to be peace in the flock they have to be free of parasites and flies and also not hungry um, before they'll rest like this and it is only the careful care of the shepherd that makes this all possible the next line he restores my soul the word here nefesh which doesn't mean so much soul as it does life breath other translations read, he restores my life, or he brings me back to life. So, another funny thing about sheep, and I, and I hope I don't get this wrong, there's some nuance to it, but basically, they can get stuck on their backs and can die without the help of a shepherd. I mean, you can kind of see why they get a reputation, right? <laughs> so, the process of helping them involves much more than just flipping them over because their legs have been drained of blood, and I guess they have gases that kind of build up in their belly, so the, the shepherd has to gently massage them to kind of bring them back to life. It is, it is a very intimate and involved process, very interesting. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Sheep follow. It's their job. And as I explained earlier, the shepherd is very intentional in planning the path they will go. Straying from the path can mean certain death for the sheep. However, even walking those paths as they're rotating from different pastures, going places they need to go throughout the year, that does not guarantee that the sheep will be free of danger, which leads us to the next verse. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. I love this line. We all do. It feels so good to say, and this is definitely why it's read a lot at funerals. And the reality is, there are real and constant dangers for the sheep. They are very much dependent on the careful guidance and watch of the shepherd to keep them safe. But what's more, sheep don't just follow anyone. See, the relationship between a sheep and its shepherd is a bit more intimate than that. Sheep become pretty fond of their shepherds and they find a lot of calm in their presence. And if a different person, even another shepherd, would to walk through the flock walk through the flock as they're grazing, the sheep would all scatter. But the shepherd can walk right through and not disturb them. And when quarrels arise up in the herd, as happens, there's a pecking order, uh, the very presence of that shepherd can bring calm and peace, which is essential to their well-being. I mentioned earlier that leaders and kings were also referred to as shepherds. King David, the shepherd boy, who went on to shepherd the people of God. Israel put a lot of trust in their kings to shepherd them well. Those appointed by God, we're expected to walk the path of righteousness and lead Israel along those same paths. But we know from scripture that, that they did not always do this, and the state of the nation suffered for it. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. The rod and the staff are two tools of a shepherd. The rod is used to protect the sheep and the shepherd from outside dangers as well as to discipline the sheep and keep them in line. Fun fact, the shepherd actually like throws the rod like a weapon. Maybe not an image of a shepherd you have in your head right now. David, as a shepherd boy, before he took on Goliath, um, they're kind of asking him like, what makes you think you can take on this mighty warrior? And he's like, well, I'm no stranger to defending my sheep against lions and bears. Crazy. The rod is also a symbol from the Exodus story. It is Moses' rod that is used to perform God's miracles and plagues and to reveal the power of God. The shepherd's rod its a pretty fearsome thing, yet it is described as a comfort. The rod was also used to count and carefully examine the sheep. See, a sheep, it could look fine on the outside, but once the shepherd kind of gets into the thick wool coat can find all sorts of bites and sores which left untreated would lead to a bigger infection. And it's only by carefully combing through it with this rod that these would be discovered. So a quick parallel to be drawn, obviously discipline and careful examination are not things that the sheep like. I don't think we particularly like them either. But we can see just from that example how necessary they are. Thus far in the psalm, being shepherded sounds kind of nice. Green pastures, water, being led, kept from dangerous is awesome. But we must remember that part of the process is also being open to careful examination of our hearts. The staff, as opposed to the rod, is more of a tool of comfort. It's a unique tool for shepherding with kind of a crook-shaped handle. It's probably what you've seen in like, all the pictures of shepherds in your Bible and beyond. Um, it's used to pick up little lambs as, they're, as they get separated from mothers and return them to their mothers without touching them. Very gentle, very calming. Uh, it's used to draw the sheep towards the shepherd when necessary for those careful examinations. Uh, and interestingly, the staff is also something that the shepherd uses to comfort himself, standing out in the pasture all day. Something to kind of to lean on. It's definitely a symbol of comfort. Next verse: You prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. Now this is where the metaphor kind of shifts. See verses one through four very much have this metaphor of a shepherd described by God. But verses five and six seem to portray this idea of God as host. Um, some scholars argue that the metaphor can read throughout. Um, and personally, I, I kind of see both. So going over this, I'll kind of present a little bit of both. Um, so first of all, the table. The table is a powerful symbol in scripture. The, the banquet table, feasting, a symbol of God's presence and favor. And if we read this through the lens of David, This image of God's favor and provision in the face of very real and present enemies is powerful. For God was preparing David to be king in place of Saul and grooming him for that, Saul the current king, basically right in front of him. It's also the shepherd's job to prepare a pasture for the sheep to feast on. He carefully surveys the land for potential dangers, even picking poisonous flowers one by one. But it's impossible to remove every enemy. And it takes trust in the shepherd that he will keep watch in order for the sheep to graze freely. You anoint my head with oil. It's again anointing is, is a symbol in the Bible we see a lot, uh, a symbol of being chosen by God. David was appointed by the prophet Samuel as a child and he was anointed then and then he was anointed again when he became king. From a shepherd's perspective, apparently, anointing with oil is also significant for when the shepherd does find wounds and infections and such, when he does that examination, he's going to treat it with oil and various tinctures. So there's still a Still continuing the metaphor a bit there. My cup overflows. So in ancient traditions, apparently, the symbol of an overflowing cup means the host is enjoying his company. You're over and having a banquet, you're visiting, and the wine bearer person pours like half full. that means it's time for you to go. Uh, if he fills it, yeah, just to the top, it's like, all right, we're good. And if he feels it to literally overflowing, it means they're having a really good time and they're glad you're there. So once again, there's an intimacy here between God and the sheep. God does not simply care for the sheep out of obligation. God delights in them. God delights in us. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Instead of being pursued by his enemies, King David is pursued by God's goodness and love. Even when he sins and goes astray, God continues to bless him. The word here in Hebrew, said is specifically associated with the future blessings of the covenant God. It draws a listener back to the language of the Exodus which speaks of God's loving kindness and the promise that God would continue to bountifully provide for God's people. The house of the Lord would be understood as referencing the temple, which the people of God had been separated from. It was David's dream to build the holy temple in Jerusalem, however, it would end up being David's son Solomon, born of his sin, that would build the temple. this image of dwelling in the house of the Lord of restoring the temple is an image of returning to God's favor and the psalm is very hopeful of this happening there is much here that points back to the salvation history of God's people a communal theme and then there's this narrative of an individual participating in and experiencing that salvation story through the metaphor of the shepherd so there's my line-by-line line breakdown of Psalm 23 as a metaphor. I hope you learned something new. We just kind of touched on them. Um, but I hope that you take something that you can reflect on as you're praying through the psalm this week. Now, I'd like to bring in another point of connection. I'm going to jump out of the Old Testament. So, in John 10, 11, when Jesus says, I am the good shepherd, He is very much drawing on and expanding this metaphor. It reads, he says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Just as the father knows me and I know the father and I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of the sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. This theme comes up again in Luke 15 as Jesus tells the parable of the shepherd who goes out in search of one sheep that he has lost, even though there are 99 others in the field that are just fine. And he, destroy, he describes the rejoicing that comes from the return of that one sheep. I think the message between the psalm and these words of Jesus expanding upon the psalm is this. This is my takeaway. Yes, we are sheep. We are dependent and in need of leading in order to thrive. But we matter, each one of us. We matter because of who our shepherd is. Our shepherd is the Lord, Jesus, who cares deeply for us and desires relationship with us. Our shepherd searches us out, examines us, treats us, calms us, leads us, protects us, feeds us, and knows us. And as Jesus says, lays down his life for us. This is the table that the Good Shepherd has prepared for us and invites us to today, the table of communion. On this table there is bread, a symbol of God's provision and nourishment. And Jesus says, Take and eat. This is my body, broken for you. And there is a cup overflowing. Our host is delighted to have us. And Jesus says, take this and drink from it. For this is my blood poured out for you. And we do this in remembrance of our good shepherd who laid down his life for us. Today, you are invited to come. All are welcome to participate. Um, Part of the bread will be broken off for you, and you will dip it in the cup. Try not to get your fingers in there, please. Um, And if you need a gluten-free option, we also have that for you. So come, taste and see that the Lord is good.